Welcome to Living Proof, the podcast series of the University at Buffalo School of Social Work at www.socialwork.buffalo.edu. We're glad you could join us today. The series Living Proof examines social work research and practice that makes a difference in people's lives. I'm your host, Ajwa Robinson, and I'd like to take a moment to address you, our regular listeners. We know you have enjoyed our podcasts, as evidenced by the more than 250,000 downloads to date. Thanks to all of you. We'd like to know what value you have found in the podcast. We'd like to hear from all of you, practitioners, researchers, students, but especially our listeners who are social work educators. How are you using the podcast in your classrooms? Just go to our website at www.socialwork.buffalo.edu forward slash podcasts and click on the Contact Us tab. Again, thanks for listening and we look forward to hearing from you. Hi from Buffalo. After a recent trip to Frank Lloyd Wright's Falling Water in Pennsylvania, I wanted to remind you that Buffalo is home to a number of the Master Architects works, including three private residences, the Lakefront Greycliff Estate, and our local jewel, the Darwin Martin House Complex, considered Wright's finest prairie-style design and ranking with Falling Water in the Guggenheim as his finest works. I'm Peter Sabota. Our guest for this episode is Bruce Nisbet, President and CEO of Spectrum Human Services a private nonprofit community health organization that provides services in the Erie and Wyoming counties of Western New York. Spectrum provides a wide range of services including the treatment and rehabilitation of psychiatric disabilities, psychological problems, and substance-related disorders. Spectrum offers mental and behavioral health programs for adults, adolescents, children, and families. Mr. Nisbet discusses his agency's involvement with health homes a Medicaid health home program that provides integrated and coordinated services to people in the community who have serious and persistent mental illness or two or more physical health conditions. Mr. Nisbet describes the inception of the program as well as the needs the program hopes to address while meeting the challenging demands of a tight fiscal service delivery environment. Mr. Nisbet describes the rationale for the health home program including the role that the Federal Affordable Health Care Act played in its inception. Mr. Nisbet notes that the health homes are not a physical place, but a program of intensive care coordination for individuals provided through a network of providers whose mission is to improve the coordination, delivery, and communication of all of a patient's services and providers to maximize the positive outcomes and efficiencies. Mr. Nisbet goes on to discuss this program's relevance and implications for social work education and practice, the impact on an agency staff implementing such a program, and the impact on the social service system in a particular community. Our guest concludes by describing what he believes could be a broader application of this model in the healthcare delivery system. Bruce Nisbet is an alum of the UB School of Social Work and research associate at the Buffalo Center for Social Research here at UB. Mr. Nisbet spoke with our own Dr. Catherine Dulmas, associate professor and associate dean for research, again here at UB. 
Hello, my name is Katherine Dalmas, and I am an Associate Professor and Associate Dean for Research and Director of the Buffalo Center for Social Research here in the School of Social Work at the University of Buffalo. And today I have Bruce Nisbet, who is President and CEO of Spectrum Human Services in Orchard Park, New York, here with me to talk about health homes. Welcome, Bruce. Thank you for coming today. Thank you, Katherine. I'm real excited to learn that Spectrum Human Services has been designated a health home here in the Buffalo, New York area. Thank Wondering you. if you could share with us a little bit about what that means and how that's going to impact practice in the New York State area related to persons with serious and persistent mental illness. Well, we're very excited to have been designated by the New York State Department of Health as a Medicaid health home here in Erie County, New York. And let me go back and try and explain what a Medicaid health home is and a little bit where it came from. Back when the Affordable Care Act was passed, it included provisions that allowed states to apply to the Center for Medicaid Services, CMS, on a federal level to implement Medicaid health homes within a state and the Affordable Care Act provided incentives to states to do so in that when they did get permission to establish Medicaid health homes and to implement them from the time they were implemented the state would get instead of their typical close to 50 percent reimbursement on average from the federal government for Medicaid costs their reimbursement would jump to 90 percent for a two-year period so from a financial point of view, this certainly is extremely attractive to states who are obviously struggling with their budgets and particularly struggling with the costs of providing Medicaid recipients with the services that they need. So this was federally driven? Federally driven okay. out of the Affordable Care Act. Now, at the heart of why the federal government is promoting Medicaid health homes is that on a national basis, and this is also true in New York State. About 20% of Medicaid recipients are those recipients whose costs drive about 60% of the costs. And the reason for that, that these 20% of recipients for Medicaid typically are individuals who might have serious and persistent mental illness or chemical dependency needs, other chronic health conditions that are physically based such as diabetes or heart disease. And these 20% of individuals are those who are least connected to outpatient preventive services, whether they be primary care. These are folks that typically don't have a primary care physician. These are folks that if they have mental health or chemical dependency needs who are not connected to outpatient behavioral health services. And instead, they are really getting any type of medical care that occurs on an emergency basis through emergency rooms and going to emergency rooms to get care or going into the hospital either on a physical basis in terms of for heart disease, diabetes, other physical emergencies or a mental health or chemical dependency emergency. So what's been recognized in demonstration projects previously, and Spectrum was actually part of one here in New York State, is that if you can provide intensive care coordination of an individual's needs in terms of chronic health conditions, link them to outpatient services and support them in actually following through on those services, 
You can improve the quality of their wellness dramatically. You can improve their quality of life. And from our point of view, secondarily, reduce costs significantly that are driven in initially by the fact that there's no quality preventive care going on for the individual. Well, I think I've already learned something new because I think I was under the understanding that health homes were just for persons on Medicaid who had a serious and persistent mental illness, but it sounds like it's beyond that. It is. The qualifications under the federal law are either serious and persistent mental illness by itself as a chronic health condition or two or more chronic physical health conditions or a combination of a serious and persistent mental illness with a chemical dependency addiction or two chronic or more physical health with a chemical dependency addiction. So it broadens the numbers. Here in New York State, there are about 5.4 million people who receive Medicaid services or who are eligible for Medicaid and on Medicaid. Of that 5.4 million, about 750,000 individuals are eligible under those qualifications uh, that I just talked about, serious persistent mental illness, two or more chronic conditions, physical health-wise. About 750,000 are eligible to be enrolled in health homes. And here in this particular county of the state, there's about 46,000 individuals eligible to be served in a health home. A health home is not a physical place. It is a program that provides intensive care coordination for individuals and has developed a network of providers who have agreed to provide two major elements, expedited access to services and secondly to participate in utilizing a care plan that is available to each of the providers who might work with an individual. So the individual is getting outpatient behavioral health and has a primary care physician then that care plan would be available to both electronically and is one that is updated regularly by both and used as part of a coordination vehicle so that the left hand knows what the right hand is doing and vice versa. So we as a health home need to provide care coordination to enrollees to do an assessment of what their needs are and those Domains include not just physical health and behavioral health, but also housing and social services, because housing and social services typically are areas that contribute to the instability of many of these folks' lives. And so we work not only on stabilizing their physical health and also their behavioral health, but looking to include in our network housing providers and social service agencies to help deal with housing and financial needs that are often part of reasons why folks' care is so fractured. So together, we work with this identified network and we look to move the person forward from what is sort of a crisis style of getting care to one that's planful and preventive. And what this approach has been shown to do is to dramatically improve the wellness for these individuals who are enrolled and at the same time improve the quality of their life from the viewpoint that they're able to actually be able to have some stability in their lives. And then thirdly, it does lower costs on average about 30% for our experience in the demonstration kinds of projects that we've been involved in. So we think it's exactly the right thing to do. We think it, it will be something that here in New York 
not only in this county is it uh, being rolled out, but it's already been rolled out as of January 1st down in the New York City area and some adjoining counties going up the eastern part of the state. The state is rolling this out in phases. Erie County that we're in was in phase two along with maybe about 12 other counties and now there's a upcoming phase three where we're applying to be a health home in two other adjoining counties that we provide services in also. So we hope to be providing services in Erie, Niagara and Wyoming counties where we provide behavioral health services also. Now, if I can just interrupt for a moment, is New York State the first state to have health homes or has this been something that's been around a little while? It's one of the first in the country. I think there have been three other states that were approved ahead of New York, but New York is the first state to include serious and persistent mental illness in its health home model. The other three states, to my knowledge, have focused solely on chronic physical health. So two or more chronic physical health needs are certainly part of the federal qualification also, and those states have chosen to focus in that area. But New York is the first, to my knowledge, that's included the serious and persistent mental illness component uh, as a qualifier and is serving that population. Mm -hmm. And they're planning to go forward even further. That is, during the course of this year, there's about 55,000 individuals, and again, the initial health home is all for adults, 55,000 individuals who have developmental disabilities who also qualify for health home based on chronic physical health conditions. And then also there's about 230,000 individuals in long-term care. And so they're intending to create specialized health homes for the developmentally disabled population who qualify and also for the individuals who are in long-term care because Again, these are portions of those populations who are not well connected to preventive or wraparound services and therefore end up utilizing an awful lot of emergency room care that's preventable or inpatient hospitalization that's preventable or inpatient rehospitalization within 30 days. And so all of this has been shown to be able to be addressed and improved upon by using a health home model. Sounds like a win-win with better outcomes ultimately for clients, consumers, as well as a cost reduction for the state and the federal government overall. Absolutely, and uh, that's what makes it to us be the exactly the right thing to do because it is a win-win and particularly for the consumers. Mm -hmm. And I think that it also means and is reflective of what's occurring on a national basis, which is focusing on reconnecting the head to the body in terms of integrating behavioral health and physical health in a way that really treats the whole person. And I think from a perspective as a social worker myself and thinking about social work education, for example, and social work practice, clearly the whole field of service delivery is moving toward integration of behavioral and physical health. I think that speaks to then from an education point of view that in master's programs for social work, for example, or BSW programs, that there needs to be a very strong emphasis on helping to educate future practitioners around the interface of physical and mental health and chemical dependency needs in a way that they should expect that their practice experience going forward and what organizations are going to expect of them 
is to have their work embrace supporting the individual as a whole person physically and in terms of mental health or chemical dependency in a unified kind of way. You know, as a side note, we're integrating a number of our mental health and chemical dependency uh, clinics that are freestanding into primary care clinics so that it increases access, it reduces stigma because folks, when they go to an appointment, they're going to quote, go to their doctor's office. And it enhances the outcomes because we're able to integrate the chemical dependency or behavioral health, mental health treatment with the physical health side of treatment. And this is both for adults and children. So that's a, a simple example of how that is going to be working. And health homes are the broader example of how the practice is moving in that whole direction of integration. We, in order to provide the service that's needed in terms of physical health and behavioral health, we have expertise spectrum in the whole behavioral health area. That is chemical dependency clinics, outpatient mental health clinics, other kinds of mental health and chemical dependency programs. And we've been doing so for 35 plus years. We, in looking at this health home opportunity, recognize that we also need to integrate physical health expertise into our health home model. So we reached out locally here to partner with the Catholic Health System, who has been one of the most progressive medical systems in the state and in some ways the country in terms of embedding into their primary care practices, nurse care coordinators who focus on disease management for chronic heart disease, uh, diabetes, and they work closely to, with those patients that have those conditions to support them following through on treatment and they get great outcomes. And looking at their whole disease management expertise and their analytics expertise in terms of being able to evaluate medical testing and so forth, we felt that we needed to look to partner with some expertise along that way. And then we also partnered with another organization who has expertise in treating as well as care coordination for individuals who are HIV positive, which mm -hmm. is another subgroup of health home enrollee population. So if I can just pause for a moment. So the health home, you're, you have a partnership between yourself and Catholic Health, health and, and who's the other? Evergreen Medical Evergreen Services. Related to HIV mm -hmm. expertise. Right. Mm -hmm. That's quite a powerful partnership of expertise. Well, we think so. We think it really positions us to be able to offer the kind of comprehensive expertise that those folks who will be enrolled with us really need and deserve. Mm -hmm. And in that partnership, we did so by forming actually a new corporation called Health Home Partners of Western New York, LLC, a limited liability company, which will become not-for-profit also. And through that formal partnership, then, we are able to wrap and integrate our expertise around the needs of individuals enrolled in our health home program. And uh, along with that, we have a network of uh, 50 providers besides Catholic Health here in Erie County that include other hospital systems, includes primary care practices, includes housing providers, social services providers. And altogether, we have about 3,000 100 individual licensed practitioners who are in this network that we can connect and link and follow with coordination of services across virtually every specialty. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the responsibility of the health home is to develop those linkages, develop those relationships, 
and then coordinate them effectively so that they go forward. And we're obligated. We have an accountability to the state to achieve certain outcomes having to do with avoidance of unnecessary emergency room presentations, avoidance of unnecessary inpatient admissions, avoidance of unnecessary readmissions to inpatient, along with certain other kinds of measures for physical health that have to do with diabetes and chronic health disease, which are the two predominant chronic physical health conditions. So we have a lot of obligation to make sure that we're not just providing a service, and it's not the quantity of service that we provide, it is really the effectiveness of the service we provide and what kind of outcomes are we getting. And this is all being tracked through the Medicaid data system. We receive Medicaid data that shows this utilization and the state tracks it, and we'll compare our outcomes against the outcomes of other health homes. So you need to be one that, uh, and if you don't meet those outcomes and you chronically do so in terms of not meeting them, then in a relatively short time, you'll no longer be a health home. So in this case, it's performance that counts. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you've taken a lot on. Is the health home up and running yet or is it in the preliminary stages? Well, we were designated as a health home as of about a month ago. We've been certainly working together with our two partners in establishing all of the various work processes, assessment systems, and also the electronic uh, exchange of data. We're expecting within the next uh, two to three weeks to start receiving lists of enrollees. And then we have three months to track down enrollees because in many cases these folks last known address is not necessarily what's recorded with Medicaid, so we have three months to track them down. It is a voluntary program, so individuals have to agree to be part of it, but in our demonstration experience, if we can find individuals, they welcome the additional help because this has been a source of tremendous strain and difficulty for them in terms of getting good quality preventive care and we can help make that happen. Mm -hmm. So, And we can help them with housing issues, we can help them with social services issues, so it's a win-win for the consumer. Mm -hmm. So it sounds to me like the train has left the station and this is the direction practice is going. Absolutely, and I think that it will continue to move in this direction, and I think that here, Not just in New York, oh across no, the country, yes. correct? This is the national, this is the whole national focus. And I would think that uh, as the next year goes forward, there's going to be, and I think there's a number of additional states who have put in applications with the Center for Medicaid Services to be approved to initiate health homes. I think the majority of states are going to adopt this approach. And I think that coordination, the effective coordination of services integrated and wrapped around individuals with high needs and chronic health conditions has been proven to be a highly effective approach to those outcomes of improving wellness, improving quality of life, reducing costs, and it's going to be something that will be absolutely embraced, I think, on a, on a broad basis across the country. How do you think it's going to impact your workforce within your agency? Well, I think that we're going to need to, we do a care coordination program with about 300 individuals that have serious and persistent mental illness, so we employ approximately 20 care coordinators. The portion, there are three health homes that were designated in this county for an initial population of about 46,000 people. 
on average you're going to be working with a caseload of about 88 individuals, some who are given an acuity of low need, which means it's telephone touches and reminders and they can function that way well as long as they're well connected, some at a mid-range of need and some at a high range of need. So we're anticipating and have the capacity to serve up to 20,000 individuals and so we'll be adding, as time goes on, a significant number of additional care coordinators who would be a mix of bachelor's degree in social work, master's degree in social work, some LPNs and RNs, and uh, so we expect that over time we're going to be adding significantly to our workforce. It sounds like a perfect type of position for social workers. They're, we're educated and trained in case management and the care coordination model really is case management in the mm -hmm. true social work sense. So this might be a real job opportunity for social workers. Absolutely, and it's certainly very consistent with the whole history of social work around advocacy because as a care coordinator, you're working to really advocate access for individuals to services in the community, which are typically difficult for them to get, and to advocate for the quality of those services to be at a high level that would be consistent with what, with what we would want for our most cherished loved ones. Mm -hmm. So it's an opportunity to really impact lives significantly. And we know people with serious and persistent mental illness die on average 25 years earlier than those who do not have serious and persistent mental illness. So there's a real opportunity, not only quality of health, but also the length of life to significantly impact on them. It, it caused me to stop and think for a moment about really the potential for a significant impact in the lives of these individuals. You've spoken a little bit about how it's going to impact like the agency level and certainly how the potential for impacting the lives of these individuals, but how do you think it's going to impact the social service system within the community? Well, I think that it's going to impact by virtue of the fact that as health homes are required to develop and implement electronic methods of exchanging care plans between providers, and that's been a big gap in the community in terms of... Like electronic medical records Electronic type of thing? medical okay. records, and getting them to be able to talk to each other. And in this case, the vehicle for doing that would be sort of an intermediary software that is available out there and in fact is being increasingly developed as a way in which to bridge differences between one electronic medical record system and a different one. Mm -hmm. So this is going to promote the movement forward of getting toward the exchange of health information, whether it be medical, physical health, or behavioral health, with permission from the consumer, and we have to get consents always in these kinds of situations, but with permission to exchange that kind of information in a way that is real-time and can actually be useful in coordinating treatment. Mm -hmm. Right now there are these silos whereby you have your primary care physicians don't necessarily know what the mental health clinician is doing or the psychiatrist in a clinic is doing in terms of medications and vice versa with the primary care. If there are specialists involved, typically there are, uh, again, huge gaps in communication there. Or knowing that an individual has just gotten into a new housing situation and how that housing provider could potentially be helpful in terms of 
working together with the other providers mm -hmm. also. So I think what's going to happen is that you're going to see a reduction over time and hopefully it's going to be a significant reduction in what essentially is the disjointed and silo-like provision of services to folks where communication is only sporadic and often the left hand and the right hand don't know what they're doing, there's duplication of services and a lack of effectiveness that has to do with a lack of coordination. So I think the whole system at a local, regional, and national level is working toward this not only integration of the services related to behavioral and physical health, but the integration of the whole delivery of that service mm -hmm. in a more seamless manner. A couple of thoughts I've had is this sounds like a model that would be good for anybody, whether they have a serious mental illness or not. And I wonder, do you see the system moving in that direction? That there'll be um, health homes for individuals, whether they have chronic health conditions or not going forward? Well, I, there's been some steps in that direction. I think people have heard of medical homes and many practices, private or private primary care practices, have sought out and obtained NCQA certification as a medical home. And in getting that certification, they have to show increasing evidence of how they are integrating not only the physical health services for an individual, but also if the person needs behavioral health services, that those services are accessible in a more seamless way. Mm -hmm. And that's one reason why primary care practices are very receptive to the idea, such as what we're doing with Spectrum, of reaching out and saying, why don't we look at leasing some space within your primary care practice space to put up a satellite clinic behavioral health, mental health, chemical dependency, and then integrate the way in which we communicate with each other within the practice, that serves their patients well and it also helps them to qualify for this medical home status and they get additional reimbursement from HMOs and from insurance companies for achieving that certification because they're showing a more wraparound approach. So in a sense, they're a, a mini example of what a health home is and it's the whole for the general population. For the general population, mm -hmm. right. Another thought that I had is that it sounds to me if this is done well, which I'm sure Spectrum and your new partners will, will do very well, but that it's really going to drive down the need for inpatient beds, both at the psychiatric level and at the physical health level. Wondered if what you might speak to about that. Well, I think that that is, in fact, one of the goals with regards to reducing costs, that they certainly there will always be a need for inpatient physical health beds and mental health and chemical dependency beds. But if the utilization is reduced as a result of better preventive care, then, yes, there's going to be a reduction in the need for the number of beds in those areas. And I think... What that means for hospitals, and they've been doing this already, is that they're trying to more and more shift their services to include more and more outpatient treatment approaches that are an alternative to inpatient, and uh, that's a function partially of caps on reimbursement for numbers of days people can stay inpatient, mm -hmm. as well as the recognition that there are perhaps better ways in which to treat certain conditions, but certainly if someone's having a heart attack, they need to be in a hospital and mm -hmm. in intensive care. And But there will be ultimately, I think, a significant impact on the number of beds needed to serve the community 
where these hospitals are if we're effective with both the health home but also the medical home we just talked mm -hmm. about for the general public. In closing, I can't help but think about what the health home model means for persons with serious and persistent mental illness from a recovery perspective. I wonder if you can kind of, in closing, speak to how this might promote recovery for individuals. Well, I think that it has a very powerful opportunity in terms of promoting recovery. If people's lives are chaotic, if they are struggling with serious health conditions, struggling with a lack of housing that's stable, if their lives overall are chaotic, then to be thinking about where they would like their lives to go in a more positive direction, what kinds of ways that they would like to be able to impact on the quality of their own life and what goals they want to set, that's pretty hard to do. So by helping to provide some quality of preventive services, improve health, improve stability in terms of housing, social services, it really frees up the person to begin to think about more than just sort of survival, but really where is it that I want to go and what does my recovery look like from my perspective? What's going to be impacting my quality of life that has to do with family, it has to do with work, it has to do with areas that I can be part of the community that maybe I've lost out on being part of. So I think it really does create a platform, a, a basis in which to really begin to seriously think about what ways that we can support a person's uh, goals for recovery because they have now a healthier, more stable basis in which to free up some energy to do that. Thank you very much, Bruce, for stopping by and having this conversation with me. And congratulations again on Spectrum's designation as a health home here in New York State. And perhaps down the road, once it's up and running and you have some additional outcomes as to success, I can invite you back for another podcast and you can share with our listeners the progress you're making. Well, thank you for having me, and I'm very thankful for the work that uh, school has done. I'm a long-standing graduate of the school, so much of what I've been able to do has a lot to go back to the School of Social Work. It's always nice to hear an alum say that, so thank you, Bruce. You've been listening to Mr. Bruce Nisbet discuss Spectrum Human Services Health Homes Program on Living Proof. Hi, I'm Nancy Smith, Professor and Dean at the University at Buffalo School of Social Work. Thanks for listening to our podcast. For more information about who we are, our history, our programs, and what we do, we invite you to visit our website at www.socialwork.buffalo.edu. At UB, we are living proof that social work makes a difference in people's lives.